The following episode of Inside the Box explores the critically acclaimed series All in the Family and includes content that is racially offensive. Our goal is not to condone nor endorse this behavior. However, we feel it is necessary to conduct an authentic and accurate analysis of this iconic 1970s series. This week on Inside the Box, has Donald Trump's presidency brought new relevance to the classic sitcom All in the Family? No, let me tell you something, Mr. Stivic. You are a meathead. What is it? A meathead. Dead from the neck up. Meathead. I see what your idea of a free country is. You're free to say anything you want, but if, but if anyone disagrees with you, they're either thrown into jail or called a meathead, right? That's right, because this is American land that I love. Well, I love it too, Mr. Bunker, and it's because I do like protests when I think things are wrong. And stand beside her. And guide her. The right to dissent is the principle upon which this country was based. With the light from above. Listen to me. It's in the Bill of Rights. From the mountains. Why do you think we broke away from England to begin with, huh? Because we didn't agree with them. We demanded freedom. Gee, it's guys like you. It's guys like you who don't listen to reason. I mean, you're not listening to anything. You're totally closed-minded. program is brought to you in living color. As early as 1923, David Sarnoff recognized the possibility of developing a television system. This is the dimension of imagination. Oh yeah! Now I remember! It's Inside the Box, the TV history podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode as you just heard Inside the Box, the TV history podcast. I'm Jonathan Bullinger. Um, today with me uh, is my co-host, Steve Voorhees. Steve, how are you doing today? Good, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm also very excited. Uh, for those of you who have listened before, uh, I hope my voice doesn't sound too different, but I have been a bit of a head cold like everyone around this time of year. Um, so I'm trudging through it. Steve has been a great soldier to be here as well because he is also exhausted and overworked. So thank you for being in studio. However, unfortunately, Adam, uh, Adam, <laughs> I am really sick. Andrew J. Salvati is uh, away on assignment this week. So Andrew, Andrew, not Adam, although maybe we'll join Adam up with the group as a mysterious. Do new we have member. an Adam? I don't think so. I don't know where that came out. But um. Andrew, Andrew is uh, off away on assignment, so he'll be he'll be uh, missing out on this episode. And this uh, this reminds me, I wanted to finish a thought that Steve and I were having off air. Steve was asking, and he was thinking that maybe some audience members might also have been uh, asking if you had listened to our wonderful uh, episode on the presidential inaugurations, you might have uh, noticed that it was the first episode that I uh, actually hadn't uh, participated in. And I think Steve's somehow been keeping some sort of record or whatever, but you compared this to whose who's record? Uh? Cal Ripken, for baseball fans that know the streak. Oh, streak. okay, right, right. So so I guess, I guess I had a streak going. I guess it was broken. Um, uh, so so that, let me, let me in, yeah, jump yeah, in here go because for it. Jonathan had not missed... 
any episodes of this podcast. You were the one constant through every single episode. In an annoying fashion for anyone listening. Up yes. until <laughs> the uh, presidential inauguration, inauguration episode that Andrew uh, produced and he uh, he solo hosted it. Right. Um, and we were both physically here the day he recorded that, but we were healthy scratches. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, that's the essential of it. Uh, well, I, I don't I don't mind because I think it's a fantastic episode. But yes, if, if any of you sort of want the inside baseball of this, no, Steve didn't uh, get hit by a car. Or no, I didn't get lost on my way to the studio. We were both here. We reported for duty. We asked Andrew whether we could get in the game. Andrew had a format set up, and uh, he thought it was best to go through it on his own. So uh, we were. So we blame Andrew is what you're saying. Well, I'm not blaming Andrew. I was. <laughs> I'm just saying is that we were ready to go. We were told, and I was happy to not have to work that day. Uh, said stand down. So I said, hey, that's fine. I'll go take a nap. Steve will have a sandwich, and we'll be we'll be okay. So that's the equivalent of the manager benching Cal Ripken. Oh, in the I, middle that's your words. No, I think of that's, a streak. I think that's more like <laughs> the the janitor accidentally making his way to the dugout, and the manager saying, "Get out of here. We don't need." <laughs> Because <laughs> um, it, it was kind of kind of silly, but no. So that that for any of you uh, paying attention for the, to those sort of things, uh, 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 that that I guess there's no longer a streak. So I guess I'll have to start a new streak. Well, well, maybe it's this presidential inauguration that we just went through that has changed things, and now that they, oh, the streak we'll blame ended. It on, we'll blame it the on the streak ended president with Trump. yes, the the new president we have in it office. Certainly, certainly could be. Well. All the all the kidding aside, um, and kind of connected, I guess, to uh, to President Trump, is today uh, uh, we want to do an episode for you, uh, Steve and I, um, basically about a, a very famous show uh, that most of you, I would assume, are, are pretty familiar with, um, but we don't necessarily talk about every single day. We might sort of slightly reference it here and there in passing, but uh, it's taken on some new relevance, definitely during Trump's campaign and now uh, with some... Uh, news that it possibly could be rebooted, and that, of course, is um, the show uh, All in the Family. Now, uh, this was the kernel of this idea was Steve's for sure, so Steve's definitely going to give you some background on All in the Family, but what we're going to talk about today is sort of uh, its importance. Does it have new relevance in a, in a sort of uh, four-year Trump uh, presidency world that we're living in? Um, and really just sort of di- dissect it a little bit as far as uh, what it was known for, um, what the character of Archie represented, and how it connects to or, or where it's going to find voice uh, in the sort of newer, more contemporary uh, political times. So uh, I just want to caution any listeners. Of course, it's a podcast. It's on your device. You have complete control over it. Um, this does not mean you uh, automatically need to switch us off or change over to your other favorite podcast. We're not going to get super political on this. We're just going to make some comparisons really between what the show is known for and where it could uh, possibly get some new life uh, in today's climate. Uh, and again, because this is a TV history podcast and it's not uh, it's not a political podcast necessarily. So um, and if those of you think we don't go far enough, well, you can sort of wrap our knuckles with a ruler uh, on that some some other time. But I guess we'll just begin by, um, again, not insulting your intelligence. I think most of you understand, but maybe Steve can go back through some of the, the broad brushstrokes of, of sort of all in the family, what it was, why it was important, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So we did an episode very early in this podcast called The Rural Purge. And in 1970... Uh, which is around the time that Norman Lear was um, putting All in the Family in production, and in fact it was going to debut in January of 71, Uh, the landscape of TV was very different, and All in the Family is certainly credited with shaking that landscape up by um, leaving behind the rural shows that were timeless in a way, uh, that catered to older audiences, and instead going into the cities, giving us an urban show that was very much in your face, real life, 
um, packaged within a sitcom format. So the situation comedy, 30-minute show, live studio audience, uh, but but this was not going to be the innocuous humor that you would find in the Green Acres or um, you know Mayberry RFD or one of those shows, uh, Beverly Hillbillies, for instance. So during the time of 1971, when this show debuts, television industry already knew the value of reruns. They already knew that after the show hits a certain number of episodes, we can package it for syndication and other networks, uh, broadcast networks at the time, local television stations, and soon to be the big cable that would be bursting on the scene within the next decade, would have content to show and we can continue to monetize is what the industry would feel. So when All in the Family, uh, Norman Lear decides to, you know, adapt it from a British television series called Till Death Do Us Part, uh, suddenly we're talking about President Nixon and we're having a lively discussion between a son-in-law and his father-in-law uh, about what's going on in the White House and policies and um, social issues, um, lifestyle changes, um, everything that you can think of, menopause. It, it was Everything was fair game and all in the family. And many feared that this was not going to prove well for syndication because you've basically dated it. And I know Jonathan will agree. Um, Andrew and, and I, when we work on this podcast, we don't want to try to date it because you might be listening to us uh, you know, several years from now. And All in the Family didn't necessarily do that. Now, why is it still relevant today? All in the Family, to me, has been, you have to put it in the top 10 of television shows ever made. I, I, if, if you can argue that, Jonathan, please do, because I've always maintained it is a top 10, if not top 5 television series of all time. No, I, I, I concur with that. Um, I think perhaps for those that didn't experience it and are then told that this is a top 10 show, I think that idea of, well, they were talking about things in the 70s. I think right. that's what the initial barrier is for them uh, to get past. But then once they start watching it, they'll realize, okay, yes, it may be a 70s perspective on these issues, but the issues are almost timeless uh, uh, to, to that extent. Um, and I will just also say uh, quickly that What's also interesting with it is, as you mentioned, it's based on a British, long-running uh, British show, similar themes uh, adapted. Um, they also went through a couple pilots before they got to the final casting. Rob Reiner and uh, Sally Struthers as the as the children or the, the young generation. And the other thing, too, is much like MASH, um, the original iteration of All in the Family basically ran for the entirety of the decade, almost the entirety of the decade, of the 1970s. Yes. Um and so it's also identified with the 1970s, uh, and it was also, I believe, and, and I don't want to say I'm 100% on this, I might be off, but I believe it was literally top of the charts for six of its nine years. That sounds about right. Um, which is amazing. We're not talking uh, number four one year, number six the other year, then it went to number three, number one. So it was doing something right. It really did sort of um, touch a nerve with what people were thinking or, or feeling. Right. And also think about what's going on in the 1970s, the crisis of Fordism, oversaturation of markets, um, terrible inflation in prices, uh, the gas shortage, uh, unrest in the Middle East. There's so many things um, that this show tackled in its timely manner, uh, especially through the resignation of Nixon. And the way it's shaped, and I don't think it's lost on anyone, is that the father-in-law, Archie Bunker, played by Carol O'Connor, he's a Republican. And uh, 
Um, he doesn't necessarily do a lot of research in his views. Um, I, I would say that the, the views are more uh, from his perspective of life and growing up than where he'll actually cite resources. But opposite of him is uh, Rob Reiner's character, Mike Stivick, who's the college-educated guy, but he is married to Archie Bunker's daughter, and as he's working through college, he's not working a job. He's staying in the Bunker household, right. living with them, living off of Archie Bunker. And that joke is not lost in the show, nor is it on producers, that you know the conservative is working hard to support the liberal, and yet the liberal has all these grand ideas of the way life ought to be, where now you have the conservative more grounded in this is the way life is, deal with it, buddy. And that's right. almost like a direct quote from Archie Bunker. And I, I think that's it's such a powerful dynamic because you're really seeing both sides uh, divided upon the same things we're arguing about today. I think if you see liberals and, argu- um, liberals and conservatives making an argumentative point. Right. And, and, and the other thing we have to, to situate it is we had... So Archie Bunker is supposed to represent the what we now would refer to via Brokaw, uh, the greatest generation, right? He was a participant in World War II. Blue collar, uh, blue collar working, class. working class. But what we have is, is, is even though Ronald Reagan was, was actually older slightly than the greatest generation, um, he often, you know, uh, uh, drew upon that generation as when things were right, when things were better, et cetera. But of course... Archie uh, ascribes to that same sort of selective memory as uh, as Reagan, which is all they remember is the pull yourself up by your bootstraps element of life. But they don't remember the FDR social programs like the GI Bill, which helped everybody kind of get ahead after participating. So that, of course, is one of the, the, the big parts of the, the sense of humor uh, is that Archie and I should also say, and I'll admit, um, I've watched a lot of the the show when I was a child growing up because it was always in reruns. I haven't rewatched these episodes lately, as certainly nowhere near as much as Steve. But um, I don't believe we ever painted Archie as at his in his heart of hearts as an evil man or a terrible man. He was a good man, wanted to do the right thing, and if we have the old sort of measuring stick of look at who one marries, you know, it's a pretty good judge of character. And his wife, of course, is wonderful, right? She's naive a bit, okay, but she's a sweetheart through right. and through. And so he can't be all all that bad. But he has this sort of selective memory of um, saying, well, like you were just saying to his son-in-law, well, I work, it's my house, I'm putting food on the table, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when he tries to support his points, Eh, generalities and opinions and assumptions that are not based on any sort of fact. Right. He's not college educated either, Archie Bunker. No, 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 right? No. Not college educated. No. There, there is a, a one episode. It's what I would really consider if the if the series had a final episode. This should really be it. So we're in season nine now. This well, last season, season eight. Oh, season there's eight. There's a season eight episode where um, Archie and Mike Stivic get locked in the storeroom of the bar that he now Archie works on the docks, and then later on he buys he oh, buys right, Kelsey's right, bar. Right, right. Um, they get locked in. The storeroom, and this is the moment where it's just the two of them for the entire episode. And you I've get never this, seen that before. You get in a, this in a sitcom, really hum- <laughs> yeah. getting locked in a trope. <laughs> uh, the humanistic side of Archie um, explaining the role of his father in shaping his life. Kids all made funny, huh? Yeah, they all made fun. Well, all except one little black kid by the name of Winston. A black kid liked you? No, the black kid beat the hell out of him. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know. Not much. Well, he must have had a reason. Well, he said that I said he was a nigger. Well, did you? Sure. 
Ireland after reason. <laughs> what the hell reason was that? That's what all them people was calling them days. Yeah. I mean, everybody we knew call them people niggas. That's all my old man ever called them. Yeah. What the hell was I supposed to call them? I didn't know that. I was going to call them a wop. <laughs> I couldn't call them wops because wop was what we call a dagos. Did you ever think? Did you ever think that that possibly? Your, your, your father just might be wrong? Wrong, my old man? Don't be stupid, my old man. Let me tell you about him. He was never wrong about nothing. Yes, he was, Arch. I... My old man used to call people the same things as your old man. But I always knew he was wrong. So was your old man. No, he was Yes, he was. He your wasn't. father was wrong. Stop! Your father was wrong! Don't tell me my father was wrong. Let me tell you something. Father who made you wrong, your father, the breadwinner of the house there, the man who goes out and busts his butt to keep a roof over your head, and clothes on your back, you call your father wrong. Hey, hey, your father, your father. That's the man that comes home bringing you candy. Father is the first guy to throw a baseball to you and take you for walks in the park, holding you by the hand. My father held me by the hand away. My father had a hand on him now. I'll tell you, he busted that hand once and he busted her on me to teach me to do good. Hmm? <laughs> my father, he shoved me in the closet for seven hours to teach me to do good. Cause he loved me, he loved me. So for the first time in eight seasons of this series, we see the Archie Bunker character, right? Really pouring out his soul to his son-in-law and we get this great insight into why Archie is the way he is and that how a family's love can really mask not only abuse, but I guess this brainwashing hatred. Uh, and we, we begin to maybe even understand in our own sense our upbringing and how that has shaped who we are uh, and really how influential parents and uh, guardians can be um, on an adolescent mind. So before Jonathan dives into this clip we just heard, I do want to play one more uh, that gives a little bit more insight into the Mike Stivic character. This is from season two. And in this episode, uh, there are two burglars inside the Bunker household while they're away at the movies. And the Bunkers come home and find them in the house. Now, the two burglars are African-American. So we're going to see not only the perspective of, of the uh, conservative Archie Bunker, but the liberal Mike Stivic. Uh, and these both are now in conjunction to a third perspective, that of the burglars, who uh, the conversation circles around in their way of life. And I think this is also where we, the viewer, can bring our perspective in and maybe start to realize that what we see on the news, um, people that we talk to, unless we're actually living it, 
these other perspectives might not be as accurate as we think. Here's the clip. It's a well-known fact that I use calling guys you just as soon stick around with your own kind up there in Harlem or wherever. Is that so? That's what I always heard. Oh, look what we done found here. A genuine 100% dyed in the wool bigger. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, say something big. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Guys, now that's wrong. I ain't no bigot. I'm the first guy to say it ain't your fault that you're a color. Oh, that's not. Look at that. That's the biggest dude, man. Hold it, hold it, hold it. You see, he he doesn't understand. He he associates the crime and the stealing with the fact that you guys are black and not with the underlying social causes. Oh. Then you must be a liberal. <laughs> well, man, we done found us a genuine liberal and an honest to God bigot. Now, you can't beat that no way. Hold it. All right. Yeah, we're putting me on now. All I meant was that he, he doesn't understand what living in the ghetto can do to a man. And you do. <laughs> I'm studying it in my sociology class. <laughs> and goes and it just shows you some of the some of the ways, in fact, that even the college educated, if you're not in that situation, Mike Stivick would have is seen as the the outsider, right? You right. you studied us from a book. You don't right. really know the life. Exactly. And so you really get to see, I think, in those two episodes, both sides of some of the naivete, perhaps, or the inexperience of how others in this world uh, behave and act and how we're kind of always socially integrated in society. Right. And I mean, of course, and I'm I'm guessing here, unfortunately, I have not reviewed the the writing staff of, of the show. I don't know it off the top of my head. But of course, there's there's always that layer to uh, tele- Hollywood and television, which is the writers are usually very much of the same mold, the same perspective. And although it is changing today, thank God, but it's probably still at that time, 70s, pretty educated, white, perhaps liberal uh, television writer interpreting all this. But I think the episodes you just pulled as examples are are just that great examples. And I love the trapped in the storeroom trope because it's not only giving both sides of of the, the generational divide there. Also sort of getting, but but still having a revelation there where, where Archie's actually getting to a point of talking about his feelings to another man. And then, of course, still the, the, the macro conversation I, Can there. I pause you right there? Yeah, they're, they're drunk, by the way. They get oh, locked they in are. the storeroom and they're there for so many hours oh, that they so start drinking. Okay, so, then so where you have Archie sharing his feelings to another man, which he would never it's do, alcohol it's because they're alcohol. Okay. I just want to throw that no, out no, there that, so that, you're not. That's important. That's important. Keep going. But, you know, the, the macro perspective then of, of basically having this whole commentary on um, just where we started with this conversation, which is... Um, well, look, I might not know uh, all my facts. I might not have researched everything. Um, I might lead with my heart a little more than my mind. Um, but look at the, the tangible results. There is um, there's a table in front of you. There's food on that table. There's a, a roof over your head that doesn't have leaks in it. Um, there's clothes on your feet. You know, there's you know, all this stuff. So... So how can my side or how can my perspective be so wrong if right. I'm literally producing for you versus, and as you, you already set it out, so I don't have to go through every detail, but, 
but Rob Reiner's character, which is the younger character who quote unquote knows more or has a, a bigger heart, so to speak. Um, but yet where, are, where are the tangible results? You know, you've married my daughter. If I'm playing Archie, you married my daughter. Why can't you provide for her? You know, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? So it's very clever script writing in that sense that sort of, ha and I think you're right to that is it's sort of the unofficial conclusion or concluding moment for the show to have us commenting all on that uh, from from the different the, the different levels. I'll just push you a little bit on this just so we we cover some some uh, certain historical track. So uh, all in the family, um, and 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 I will I don't want to get too far off, but there's also of course lots of nostalgic portions of this as well the theme song the theme song is a piano basically ballad uh, sung by the co-leads almost uh, like a saloon song in a way yes, right yes uh, uh between carol o'connor and gene stapleton who are the, the archie and his wife um and they are talking about uh, 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 uh those were the days right? right boy the way glenn miller played songs that made the hit Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew where you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. Mr. We could use a man like Hyper Hoover again. Um, and again, it, it's so literal that, you know, the singing's not perfect, but the emotion's right, you know, the whole bit. And we know during that, so they started, I believe it was the... January of 71. January of 71. Right. So they had a very short first season, just January to May or January, January to, to 71. So we know that uh, uh, politically, um, uh, Nixon had successfully run and won in 68 on a law and order platform. Huge, hugely won. We are not quite into 74 and Watergate issues and, MP and, and resignation and whatnot. We soon, in just a few years, are going to have success uh, Gary Marshall style, uh, Love American style, with his return to happy days, uh, nostalgia for the 50s. Of course, that, of course, is weirdly uh, doesn't quite make sense because we so associate 50s with uh, rebellious youth and tearing away, but yet it was somehow you know happier. Of course, it's talking about the post-war prosperity. Um, so, so we have... All in the Family running from 71 all the way up to 79. And through there, we obviously, like I said, Nixon's out. Ford comes in, but we still have gas shortages. We have OPEC issues. Ford doesn't have a great presidency. He gets defeated, almost defe almost beat out for the nomination by Reagan, but he uh, trumps Reagan, and then he eventually gets beat by Carter. Then we got the hostage stuff, the whole bit. But Archie, even though we go from 70s to 80s, Artie's, Artie's, Artie's oh boy, I've got Adams and Artie's, I've got everybody but who I'm supposed to be talking about. We've got Archie. He doesn't actually go away quite yet. What happens after 79? We go from All in the Family to... Archie Bunker's Place. Archie Bunker's Place. Now, what is the... in? You, you started talking about this, but remind us what the, the in-story plot is so we so go from... It's kind of interesting because when All in the Family started, Archie Bunker's a blue-collar, uh, works on the docks, the loading docks, um, I think as a foreman, uh, but it's a you know it's a blue collar job. Right. It's working class, and I think and it may this may you know be an impetus for the um, prosperity that Mike Stivic eventually makes after he graduates college. Don't you want to hear why Archie yells at you? Mom, I know why he yells at me. He hates me. Oh no, Mike! Archie yells at you because he's jealous. Oh, of you. I don't want to listen to this. Wait a minute, you will. 
listen to me, Archie is jealous of you. Oh, come oh, now on, that Mark. ain't hard to understand, Mike. You're going to college, and you got your whole life ahead of you. Archie had to quit school to support his family. He ain't never gonna be nothing more than he is right now. But you, you got a chance to be anything you want to be. That's why Archie's jealous of you. He sees in you all the things that he could never be. So the next time Archie yells at you, try to be a little more understanding. And Archie, I think, maybe is inspired to do more with his life now because he sees what his son-in-law has. He decides to buy Kelsey's Bar, which is the watering hole where he's hanging out with his friends through the first five or six seasons, give you. Um, he ends up uh, forging his wife's signature to mortgage their house in order to buy the bar. So, a, you know, a little bit of a... Uh, uh, twist of the truth there to, yeah. to the banks. Uh, he gets the bar, and that becomes sort of a subplot for the remainder of the series. By 79, uh, Gene Stapleton was, was tired of playing the role of uh, Edith Bunker, so they decide to focus the show more on the bar, and they rename it uh, Archie Bunker's Place. Right. And it's more or less just then Carol, Carol O'Connor's vehicle for the right. people in his bar, and we almost never see the house, I think, after the second season. So I, I push you toward that because the one thing we haven't talked about, and again, we have pretty savvy listeners. I'm sure you already know some of this, but um, the reason why it was so popular, and I sort of, I sort of make this, um, I sort of make this comparison. I think it, I think it holds up, which is sort of famously what they said about about Howard Stern, which is how can this guy have such phenomenal ratings? Well, it wasn't because everyone loved Howard Stern. It was some people listened to it because they loved him. Some people listened just to hear what crazy stuff he would say next. Well, Archie Bunker's the same way. You're number one for, again, I believe it was six out of his of, of the original nine years because you had people who, quote-unquote, got the joke, which is this is a social commentary in sitcom form about a lot of these crazy issues that we were still dealing with out of the sort of long 60s, 60s and beginning of the 70s. But there were a lot of people who, quote, didn't get the joke and actually saw Archie as, if not a realistic depiction of who they were, at least a mouthpiece for the things they actually believed. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, unfortunately, I don't know Archie Bunker's place well enough to speak to this, of whether the it, it's, character it, remained true or more caricaturish. He became more caricaturish. Okay. The, the politics left the show. So I think when Rob Reiner leaves, the politics really got watered down. You wouldn't have as much political um, humor in the show. It wasn't as contemporary as, as much. Okay. And then in Archie Bunker's place, when the family's completely out of it now and it's just him at the bar, you're getting very, very little, uh, you know, commentary in that place. So, so you know, so this show is important because, as Steve said, you know, we're changing. And by the way, um, for those of you who do like to go back in our own archive, if you, it's it's actually episode six of our our podcast where Steve talked about the rural purge. So if you want sort of the, the pre the pregame to this uh, this emergence of all in the family, but you have this new kind of sitcom that seemed very politically hot potato ish, um, where you had a father figure of a previous generation, quote unquote, telling it like it is. The son-in-law figure representing the 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 newer generation, quote unquote, telling it like it is, and sort of the the clash of these the clash of these two things. So in some ways, it feels like we could never quite have this type of uh, sitcom again. Um, in part because we've gotten so quote unquote real in today's forms of TV, i.e., either reality TV, 
even though it's not really. Are you real. using real with quotation marks here? Uh, or are you well, using I'm, real I'm, I'm slowly getting. I'm slowly getting into it. I'm, I'm trying to right. unpack it. So in one sense, it's more real than All in the Family because it's it's people's with their warts and all nakedly wanting fame or time on a TV show and doing whatever. I actually just saw, and I know we're not trying to, trying to date the, the podcast. It's unavoidable but, at this point. But but I just saw an episode, I just saw an ad for a new show where the the gimmick is this. It's almost like a philosophical morality thing, which is they already give everybody a million dollars. They're on an island and they have to choose whether they're willing to spend it to help other people or themselves, or are they so greedy that they will deprive themselves by keeping as much of the money as they can, right? So my point is, in some ways, format has has surpassed an Archie Bunker and All in the Family in that we see everything we want to see, uh, warts and all, with people just putting themselves on camera for whatever reward they perceive to be able to gain. The other, of course, is the higher quality of television that's more like film these days, where we get into these bigger questions of morality, of what is life. I have my students constantly, and I'm a little behind on some of these shows, but they constantly, I'll, I'll mention certain concepts I've, I've talked about with them about uh, life and death and AI, and they'll say, Black Mirror is talking exactly about that. They had a whole episode about it where we'll talk about what is what is life, what is not. Um, you know, people will say, oh, watch Westworld, you know, the new Westworld, much better than the original James Brolin uh, movie. I disagree. It has a charm <laughs> from uh, and Yul Brenner. But um, so in certain ways, I feel like we've surpassed it. But then in other ways, I feel like um, standard networks really don't have the guts to ever try to really go back into that territory of an Archie Bunker. Jonathan, I, I think that's an excellent point, um, but I think there's a lot that we need to unpack from that point about the networks having guts to bring an all in the family back to the landscape. And so I think this is a good place as I look at the clock for us to stop today. Uh, we're going to be doing a part two episode, so we're going to leave you with a bit of a cliffhanger, uh, but there's still so much more to discuss. In part two of our All in the Family analysis episode, we'll be looking at the contemporary television landscape in which situation comedies are tackling political issues today. We'll also take a look at the Seinfeldian legacy of All in the Family that, that not too many people think about. We will also hear from Rob Reiner as he recently made comments about the correlations between President Trump and Archie Bunker. And we'll actually hear from uh, Carol O'Connor himself in a rare recording where he performs the lyrics that he wrote to the closing theme of All in the Family. And we'll have a lot of clips and uh, other things to discuss as well, as well as Jonathan's comment that he left us off on uh, just in terms of a network television landscape tackling such a controversial uh, set of issues. So we hope you'll join us a couple of weeks from now when we come out with our new episode. You can find us online at tvhistorypod.com. You can find uh, me on Twitter at standarddef1. So for Jonathan Bollinger, I'm Steve Voorhees. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for the continuing discussion, part two of All in the Family, right here on Inside the Box, the TV History Podcast. Mm-hmm.